This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network exclusively, and of course. Uh, remember, Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey for all your wagering needs. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. I have to admit there's more uh, interest in the World Cup and the World Cup game this afternoon than I thought there would be. So I figured we'd do some of that. Mike LaBeouf is uh, the Action Network uh, soccer analyst and writer. Uh, so I... F- Grab him to give me a couple of minutes on this since I know absolutely nothing about it. Mike, welcome. How are you? Hey, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm pumped. Uh, it's it's always good to talk soccer, and, and maybe we'll get you into it. No, you I know, don't think so. Never, but the, but listen, late. but I'll never pay attention late. today because of the ramifications. Uh, first of all, U.S. versus Iran today. Uh, explain to me. It will be a big deal if the U.S. advances, right? Number one and. In, in the question, explain to me how they advance today. Actually, it would be a bigger deal if they don't advance because okay. there's a lot of you okay. Know, so you so they were expected to advance, right? Yeah, the you know bookmakers made them a slight favorite over Wales to advance, but uh, you know the way the group set up and shook out after the first couple of results, uh, they should have advanced. Uh, but uh, you know, like that, they, now they got Iran. So the situation is. The U.S. advances if they win. If Iran, they win, what happens with a tie? So it's 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 you know lose and go home for the or or excuse me, it's win uh, and you're in for the U.S. For Iran, it's draw or win and and they get to go through. So it's a it's a must win game in, in soccer, which is an added wrinkle because of the draw. Okay, so they have to win the game. Iran would advance with a draw. Now, the United States is a slight favorite in the game, nothing overwhelming. Uh, I saw that if you wage it on Iran, it's 3-1. to one. You get 3-1 to one. on the United States, it's even money. So that's pretty – that's a rather tepid uh, favorite. Are the teams – would you call the teams fairly even? Well, it, you know, it's kind of like handicapping a college bowl game where in soccer, especially international soccer, it, it's very much into, you know, stylistic differences matter a lot. Right. Um, and, situ- and situations matter a lot. So Iran, their biggest strength is is their organization. They're very compact defensively. They're very well drilled. They they have a game plan and they know how to execute those game plan. That game plan, their manager, uh, Carlos Quiroz, has been around for a long time and he's been doing you know, basically this exact thing for a long time. Um, so I would I would say in terms of talent, like the U.S. is is in a different world. However, uh, because of the situation, it kind of plays into uh, Iran's hands with their manager, with what they are good at, which is like I said, staying organized and 
defending with their lives and making life really tough for, uh, you know, opposing attacks. Uh, but odds are kind of a fair reflection over uh, on the talent level more than you know, the game situation. I, now, the United States team, the way I've, from what I've been able to ascertain, and I watched a little of the England game, they didn't feel the United States had a lot of scoring power. Is that fair? Yeah, so they, they definitely don't have that, you know, go-to striker, the guy who you can re- rely on. And, you know, I'm happy you were watching soccer on Thanksgiving. I, I watched uh, it because Harrison wanted to watch it, so we had it on, the the U.S.-England game, and he was into it. I got to admit, Harrison's really into it. Uh, not Jack, not so much, but Harrison was into it. We had it on, and we were paying attention to it because just because it's a story. So, uh, But I got the idea that they were missing that one big guy who could get him a big goal. Exactly. Yeah, they are. They are missing, you know, the traditional number nine striker that you can rely on to to score for you every other game. What they do have is a lot of kind of playmaking, creative talent. Um, those, those guys who in a perfect world would be setting up or creating space for the number nine. Um, and the hope is that their manager, uh, Greg Berhalter, can tinker with the lineup enough to to get all those guys on the, the field at once, because one of the kind of side stories here is that the United States has their best players are, are all, they all basically play the same position and same role. So uh, if he can find a way to move them around and, and make it work and, and play uh, Tim Weah, who scored the only goal for the U S so far in this world cup, his, his crazy story, his dad is actually the president of Liberia. He's a, his dad, George Weah is a uh, soccer wow. great and, and is now the president of Liberia. Yeah. But so Tim, He's probably their best option to play as a number nine, uh, and that would allow them to put, you know, Brandon Aronson and Kristen Pulisic and Gio Reyna all on the field at the same time with Wea. But uh, Berhalter is is more of a, you know, kind of conservative traditional manager, I would say. So we don't know if we'll see that. But yeah, that is their their biggest issue. And in a game like this. When a t- one team's just going to be sitting back and, and yeah, I mean, you painted that box. picture, Mike. So let me ask this question: We're talking about Michael LaBeouf of the Action Network. He's the soccer writer. Let me ask this question: If Iran is good at playing systemized defense, and they get the advantage of advancing on the on the tie, so they're playing for the scoreless tie, which a lot of times it's hard to score in these games. How does the United States? pressure them and force the issue offensively. Yeah, I think that the United States has uh, an advantage out wide with their, their fullbacks, uh, Anthony Robinson and Serginho Dest. They'll, they'll be you know bombing forward on, on the flanks and you need them to, because you need to stretch out the defense. You need to bring as many people outside of that, you know, 18 yard box as you can. Uh, and luckily the, the U S has, uh, you know, two very talented, very quick, very adept fullbacks to, to, to lengthen that defense, to, to spread it out and to be able to cross balls in. And, and once you do that, then hopefully, you know, that draws Iran out a little bit, you know, gets them uh, running around. That's the big key, and, right? You want to inbound that ball to where you can throw it in front and somebody can knock it in the, in, knock it in the goal, right? Yeah, more or less. You know, you, you, you definitely want to do that. You want to create as much havoc. But don't you uh, want to move? Can. I noticed that. The, the Now, listen, I would I understand pushing defenses away from the goal it makes plenty of sense and making them go wide. It seems to me 
these teams need to, from what I saw in the one game I watched, now I'm going to give you a strategy, that they need to attack the front of the net more where they, or the middle of the field more. Yeah, they definitely do. They need to be a little more, uh, you know, clinical and, and incisive and, and direct. Uh, I think that is is correct. Like, you know, the, the the little passes around the edge of the box are great, but, you know, you can't rely on one moment of magic, right? Like we saw it with Argentina the other day. They, they were struggling against Mexico and then Messi scored from outside the box. You, you can't rely on that. That's not a sustainable way to win a game. Gotcha. Uh, so they need, yeah, they need to create as many scoring chances as possible, which is actually why I think, a lot of people think that the under is probably the, the way to bet this game, and I actually think the opposite. What is the what is the over under? It's you know it's up two and a half or you know a, a two two and a quarter, um, depending on two and a quarter goals is the over yeah. under. Okay, yeah, that, so so, two, so in other words, your half your stake would get bet on under two and half your stake would get bet on under two and a half. Gotcha. Um, um, is, let, let let me ask this: What about this controversy now? That uh, Iran, that the United States should have stood up more to these uh, human rights issues that are going on and this whole thing with the flag and everything. Is this a big issue today or is this just nonsense? Yeah, I don't think it's like a big issue for the players. I don't okay. think it'll you know, like impact them uh, at all. I mean, you know, of course. You know, well, this a, is just typical world, country. But- this is just typical country nonsense, right? Yeah, I think I think uh, you know in the World Cup it, it happens a lot where like the journalists for one, especially in big games uh, from one country will will try to kind of uh, you know, for lack of a better word, play their role and right, you know, help their up. team. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. right. So uh, how have know, they it, been it, as a host site? I know a lot of people feel that they don't move around much like they would around the whole country. Takes away from the event. You believe that? Yeah, it does seem that way. It seems like uh, it's it's. Uh, the, the reports from there are that it doesn't feel like a world cup. Whereas like usually in a world cup, you're, you're going from like, you know, Frankfurt to Munich and, and traveling all over the country that you're hosting. But uh, Qatar is the size of Connecticut. So it's, you're not really, you know, getting that kind of world cup experience that you would normally uh, when, when it would be at a more traditional site. Like, I mean, even South Africa, South Africa is massive. So, you know, you'd have one game in, in Johannesburg and then the other game in Durban and, and you'd really see like the whole country. So uh, it, it definitely does seem different. And, you know, it shouldn't have been there in the first place. So uh, it's 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 been an odd, odd World Cup. But you know, hopefully the U.S. keeps to continue their their tournament here. The other thing. Uh, all right. So give me a, give me a, a prediction. What what do you expect today? You think the United States gets a goal and, and, and gets enough scoring opportunities to win this thing? Or is this going to be a tough day for the U.S.? I think actually, yes, I think it's it's going to be uh, I, I like like a three one kind of score line for the U.S. And, and that's um, a pretty is, high scoring know, game. Yeah. So this is why I think it will be high scoring. So let's say let's say the U.S. scores. That means that Iran now has to come out of its shell, press, and go for a tie because you know go for the one-one, and that's not what they want to do. They they're very you know poor with the ball. They don't like to be in possession and kind of dominate the game because they're not great defending going the other way if they turn it over. Um, on on the other hand, if if, if Iran scores, uh, then the United States has to score twice, so they'll open it up even more. So I just think one goal really opens up this game, and in situations like this. Everybody bets the under, so all of a sudden, uh, over bets and bets correlated to higher scoring matches are uh, they provide value to you. 
Well, listen, thanks very much uh, for doing this. Uh, we'll have you back when we do some college football bowls and stuff like that, especially the smaller bowls, which you are uh, adept at. Um, so appreciate it very much. Enjoy your uh, World Cup today. Uh, you too, Mike. Thanks for thanks watching. Thanks very much. Mike LaBeouf of the Action Network. We'll come back with some NFL right after this. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Mike Francesa Podcast, Bet Rivers Network. Uh, and again, for all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. What a disaster last night for the Colts on so many levels. I mean, in a game they had to have if they were going to do anything this year. But it boils down to after a miserable half offensively and defensively against the Steelers. The game comes down to the Colts driving down a touchdown. They have the ball with two minutes left and a first down on the Steelers side of the field. And then... uh, the scrutiny that you want to look at in terms of having a veteran quarterback and a very inexperienced sideline making the decisions. I mean, they their clock management was absurd. Their play calling equally absurd. And they wound up in the last two minutes just running four plays. And really they were unbelievable. You start with, they get the first down now there's, the clock's running inside two minutes. They have three timeouts. He gets sacked. They should have called a timeout right there. They don't. They get a scramble, which was a nice play by Ryan, except at the end of the play, Ryan could have easily, if he didn't hesitate, gotten a first down. He came up short of the line, so now it's third and three. They let a a day run off between the second and the third downs. They don't use a timeout there. They call a running play, which garners nothing. And now they call their first timeout with 30 seconds left on a fourth and three. He throws it into coverage, and maybe he got hit on a pass interference. You know what? We can argue that back and forth. It would have been this way, that way. They didn't call it, and they lose the game. But for a veteran quarterback to look so terrible on a two-minute drill and for them to run really no plays in it and, and to take two timeouts into next week, I mean, it was just awful. Awful football on so many levels. It was, it was hard to watch. And really, the Colts product they put on the field last night was a, was a joke. It was a joke. They were real prepared on defense. The Steelers moved the ball on them all night. And the Steelers aren't any good offensively. And they still moved the ball on them all night. They lost Najee Harris, and they still moved the ball on them, running the ball. I mean, it was a joke. It really was how bad the Colts were in so many ways last night. And the Steelers get a win. Good for them. Colts are going nowhere, and now they get the Cowboys. I mean, good luck for them. And now the Saturday experiment's already, you know, two losses in the hole. And, you know, of course, you know, Bradley's defense is always in the fourth quarter fall apart after playing well for three quarters. That's usually their MO. They usually fall apart late and get scored on. All right, this is a huge week coming up. Really, this week 13 is enormous. You have the Bills and Pats on Thursday night, and I think the loser of that game is out of the division race, and that includes the Bills because they'll be 0-3 in the division. I don't think the Bills will win this division if they lose this game. I really don't. Because they're already 0-3. Yes, they would welcome all three teams into their building, including the uh, 
Jets and the Fish the next two weeks, and then the last week of the season, the Pats. But I just think it's too much to ask. Plus, they have a game with the Bengals on January 2nd in Cincinnati. So to me, if the Bills are going to put their foot down and take over the division, they're going to start it in New England on Thursday night. Then listen to these other games. You have the Chiefs and the Bengals. Major, major playoff implications, seeding implications, really a huge game. Then you have the Dolphins and the Niners, two teams in their respective divisions, red hot. Niners at, I mean, the Niners hosting the Dolphins, terrific game. The Dolphin offense and everything it brings, the Niner defense and everything it brings. Jets at the Vikings. Giants hosting Washington. Uh, really, think about it. Washington and the Giants, if you, and the Giants and the Jets both have seven wins. Forget winning divisions. If they are going to go to the playoffs, they're going to get to 10. The Giants could even get in at nine if Seattle collapses. So keep your eye on them because Seattle's the only team that could possibly upset anything in the wild card situation outside of the NFC East. Washington at the Giants. If the Giants are going to go to the playoffs, they're going to beat Washington in these games. They also have two games left for the Eagles, as you know. Jets at the Vikings. Very big game for the Jets. And then Dolphins at Niners. Major implications there for the playoffs. Chiefs and Bengals. Major implications there for the playoffs. And then it all starts on Thursday night with the Bills at 8-3 and three in to take on the Pats in Foxborough at 6-5. and five. This is the last stand for the Pats. They can't fall to 6-6 six and six if they think they want to get something done. But, hey, the bottom line is the Chiefs are 9-2, and two, but remember they lost to Buffalo. And they get the Bengals this week. The Bengals host both the Chiefs and the Bills the rest of the way. They still are battling in their division. We know that. But they're playing well now. They're looking like a playoff team again. They are in the mix. This game is going to be fascinating this week. And the Bills are okay conference-wise at 5-2 and two with their 8-3 and three record, but they're 0-2 already in the division. That's why they can't go 0-3 this week. And the Dolphins are the other team. They're 8-3 and three and 6-2 and two in the conference. Now they're out of conference this week in San Francisco. Very, very tough game there. The other storyline this week borders on the quarterbacks. Are the Bears going to give Fields a chance to come back, or are they going to put him on the shelf? This week will tell you what their future holds for him. Are the Packers going to put Rodgers and his thumb injury and his now rib injury on the shelf? Rodgers says, I'm playing if I can walk. We'll see what happens. Or are they going to go to the kid at quarterback? We'll see. But that's an interesting thing to see what those two quarterbacks, Fields and what he's accomplished this year, and then Rodgers. The, you know, usually you think of Rodgers being so prominently featured down the stretch of these seasons. This year, you're not going to be featuring Rodgers or thinking about Rodgers down the stretch of the year. You're going to keep thinking about Tom Brady despite their record because that division's a joke. I mean, think about it. That's a big game this week with the Saints and the Bucks, even though the Saints are four and eight and the Bucks are five and six. Because you know what? If the Saints win this game against the Bucks, 
And the Bucs are banged up on the offensive line. Worfs is going to be out a couple of weeks for the high ankle sprain. They're already banged up in a lot of key spots. This is going to be very, very big for the Bucs. And, you know, that division can easily be won, easily be won at 8-9. Because Tampa's 5-6, and six, Atlanta's 5-7, and seven, Carolina's 4-8, and eight, and the Saints are 4-8. Minnesota's gone in their division. They're five at nine and two, and Detroit's four and seven. San Francisco is ready to take off in their division. They're seven and four. Seattle is six and five, and Seattle's starting to take on water. Remember, they were pieced together this year. They didn't have a deep defense. He's done a good job there. He's had kids on the offensive line, especially a tackle. Walker's had a couple of tough games now. Yes, he found the end zone, but he only had like 27 yards rushing in that game. Geno Smith, all right, we'll see how he handles things as they get tougher and tougher. But Seattle, you're wondering about them. And remember, they're the only team that's close to being a 500 team as far as the wild card other than Dallas Giants and Washington. So Washington and the Giants, those two games are going to be very, very telling as to who gets to the playoffs. Dallas and 8-3 and three and Philly at 10-1 are both going to the playoffs. Philly's got a cushion right now for the number one seed, and that number one seed, you want to hold on to it. Minnesota's going to be playing for that because they've already wrapped up their division title. And San Francisco, you know, which is 4-0 in the division, is going to win their division. The only question is where are they going to stack up? Are they going to move forward from here? They've already won four games in a row to get to 7-4. and four. Are they going to take off now and take a run at the top of the NFC? Or, because they are a couple of games back, are they just going to comfortably win their division and then worry about the playoffs? They are going to be a very formidable group in the playoffs no matter what. There's no question about that. With their firepower, with their talent on both lines, their defense, and having McCaffrey and a healthy Kittles now uh, with uh, Samuel and Iork and everybody they have, they have a very, very good team and are a serious threat. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, I, I like them a lot more than I like Minnesota. I like them as much as I like anybody in the NFC, to be honest with you. I think they have a chance to be very, very good uh, the rest of the way. Tampa's going to be heard from only because, you know, nobody's going to be 500 in that division except them. And they might not even be 500, and they still might win the division. You know, Atlanta's behind them by a game, but Atlanta's won three in the division. They're 2-1 th- and one in the division. And you know Atlanta's not going anywhere. So 8-9 could win that division. And who cares how they win it as long as they get in the playoffs. That's what it's about. So this week, a lot of big games. And as I've told you now for weeks on end, the AFC East and the NFC East, these are where the playoff teams are coming from this year. That's all there is to it. In the AFC, it's a, it can be a little more diverse out of the division than it will in the NFC. In the NFC, two of the teams are coming out of the NFC East. Maybe all three of the teams are coming out of the NFC East. In the AFC, you have Baltimore and Cincinnati. Tennessee is very comfortable. Kansas City is very comfortable, but the Chargers aren't out of it at 6-5. And, and obviously, in the, in the AFC East, everybody's in the mix. 
and New England has to stay in the mix at six and five. You know, New England's five and two in a conference despite being six and five, which is very, very good as far as the postseason goes. So they're in the mix from that standpoint, especially if they can get a win this week. That's a big game there. There's no question about that. And Deshaun Watson comes back, but, you know, Cleveland's playing Texas. You know, Cleveland's already four and seven, so who the heck's worried about them? Nobody. Are they going to be formidable? Yes. They're going to win some games with him. Because they have a pretty good team. You know, they got a great back in Chubb. They got a great pass rusher in Garrett. They got, te- they got players. They're a dangerous team. They've been in a lot of games. They've lost a lot of tough games. And Cincinnati's coming on also. And Cincinnati's a threat because that quarterback with those receivers, that team showed you they can play in the playoffs. They can play under pressure. They can play in tight games. They can play from behind in the fourth quarter. They are a team you don't want to see in the postseason because Burrow's not going to blink in the postseason. He's going he's to come after you in every possible way, and you're going to have to kill him three times. He's going to keep coming back at you and coming back at you and coming back at you. That's the kind of team they are, and that's the kind of team he is. That's the kind of quarterback he is. He's a big-time quarterback. And he's the kind of quarterback you don't want to see in the playoffs because he has no fear, none. And he's there to play to win. He's ready to roll the dice. He's ready to make plays. That's all there is to it. He doesn't have a timid bone in his body. The guy is a hell of a quarterback. So it's going to be interesting, but it's all going to come out of the AFC East and the Jets are in the mix. It's all going to come out of the NFC East and the Giants are in the mix. But if you're looking at it realistically, when you look at this Giants schedule, they have got to play well against a Washington team that is red hot, that's getting better on defense, that believes in its head coach, that believes in its quarterback. And Heineke has a habit of winning close games. The guys who scare you are the guys who don't mind coming from behind in the fourth quarter. See, Minnesota is a team that, despite their prowess, they don't scare you. Cousins doesn't scare you. You're waiting for him to make a mistake. Other quarterbacks, they scare you. You know, they have a habit of just making plays. And Heineke's one of these guys who makes plays. I mean, he doesn't look pretty doing it, but he makes plays. And the Giants are going to, you know, they got a lot of holes to fill. This is going to be a very, very big game. As a matter of fact, Giants don't have, you know, they don't have too many small games left. They don't have too many uh, easy marks. As a matter of fact, they have the toughest schedule in football the rest of the way. And just shows you where the Giants are that Washington's favored in their building. Giants have a better record and they're home in Washington's favorite. What is that telling you? It's telling you that no one believes in that giant record. It's telling you people are saying, hey, the Giants are a paper seven and four. And you know what? They have lost three out of their last four. And they have lost to Seattle and they have lost to the Lions. So they need a win this week or this is a free fall for them. Now, you can say, hey, they got plenty of reason to have a free fall with all the injuries they have. I agree. 
But you're hoping that this coaching staff, which has done a wonderful job, can somehow pull another rabbit out of its hat. That's about what it is. Jets are playing on solid ground, especially if the quarterback plays like it was last week because their defense is real. Right now, I think the Jets can beat anybody because of that defense. The Giants, they basically have to do it with mirrors. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.